I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. I'm a medical writer and patient educator who lives with a J-pouch due to ulcerative colitis. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 135. We sometimes joke that well-meaning people tell us to use yoga to manage our IBD. It's one of those common pieces of unsolicited advice. Well, a few years ago, I took a dive into the research. Some of the studies I found showed that after an eight or 12 week yoga program, some people with IBD had less joint pain and an improved quality of life. It's kind of annoying because I think we may have to find a new piece of unsolicited advice to make fun of. My guest is Desiree Schmidt, a 500 hour yoga instructor who has experience in working with people who live with chronic illness. She brings a special focus to her yoga practice because she herself lives with Crohn's disease. She explains what type of yoga might be better during remission versus during a flare-up, how and why to modify poses, the ways she helps beginners feel comfortable in her classes, and what to look for in a yoga instructor. Desiree, thank you so much for coming on about IBD. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. You have so much information to share that I can't wait to get it out to our listeners. But first, let me ask you to briefly introduce yourself so people get a idea of where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Desiree, and I am a 500-hour yoga instructor And I own my own business with my husband and we do personal training. We do, I do yoga classes um, and I have a passion for helping people with chronic illnesses as I also have Crohn's disease. So that is uh, my passion right now for helping people. Desiree, I don't know anything about yoga. My knowledge of yoga extends to what I've read in research and then also I think like some videos I did while I was pregnant. Can you explain to me first off, what does that mean 500 hours? Like I've seen different measurements for different yoga instructors. Can you just briefly let me know what that means? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So uh, there's different levels or different certifications for yoga instructors and a 200 hour certification is kind of the first certification for most yoga instructors. And that that's um, like an entry level for uh, yoga instructors. And then the 500 hour is uh, a higher level. So that means you have more experience, you've been teaching longer, and you have kind of like uh, almost like a master's degree, basically, and in yoga certification. Right, right. Okay. That's what I thought it was. So but thank you for explaining. Is there is there another level? (laughs) There is actually, you can get uh, what they call an E, uh, there's like an E next to it, which means you're an experienced 500 hour. Um, and all that means is that you've been teaching for a certain amount of time. Um, and, uh, and I'm almost there actually. So uh, yeah, so there is another level up to that. So it's like the third step. <laughs> and I'm almost oh. there. <laughs> Yeah, well, so I will look for that designation when it changes. Um, yeah, in, you know, in <laughs> in all the places that we can find you. Um, so let's start. You did say that you live with Crohn's disease. So let's start with that. Let me know how did your symptoms start? How did you get a diagnosis? Where did this all begin? 
Yeah. So I was diagnosed 20 years ago. I was only 15. When I first started seeing symptoms, it really started just in the abdominals where I was uh, experiencing pain, cramps, bloating. And as a teenager, you don't really think much of it. You kind of think that's just girl problems, right? So (laughs) I really didn't think much of it. Um, But they started getting worse and they weren't going away. Um, So I eventually uh, told my parents about it. Um, I was sent to a a children's hospital where I was told I had Crohn's disease. And I was actually hospitalized for almost a month Mm. uh, because my symptoms were so bad. Um, Ended up having um, a couple procedures while I was in the hospital and um, including um, a blood transfusion because I was actually losing blood during that time. Um, and I found out too, that a lot of people during the ages of 15 to 20 are diagnosed with Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, uh, which are within that family of IBD. And so it's very prevalent within the teenage years for, for those to get diagnosed. And, um, so I've been living with it ever since. And, um, it's, I've had my ups and downs for sure. I've had a few, you know, good years where I've had very little symptoms. And then I've had some years where it's been pretty bad. I actually found yoga because of Crohn's disease where, uh, yoga has helped me through it, helped me, uh, not only physically, but mentally as well, get through some of those ups and downs. Yeah. Your, your story is very similar to mine and I'm sure a lot of other people's. Now, I have a two-part question for you. What are the benefits of maybe choosing one form over another? And that and does that make a difference with IBD and when you're flaring or in remission? Because what I'm trying to get to here is that for people who have not practiced yoga before, how can they think about starting and what should they be looking for before they start taking classes? Yeah, yeah. So that is a really great question. And it does make a difference if you are in a flare versus in remission. Um, Because there are certain yoga poses that if you're in a flare up, you're going to want to stay away from certain postures, like uh, twisting, for example, is going to put pressure on your internal organs. And if you're in a flare up, that's not going to feel very good. So you're going to want to stay away from those postures, right? Because um, it's just, it's not going to do you any, any good. In fact, it could be more painful if you're in that posture. So it will make a difference. And the two most common forms of yoga is going to be your vinyasa flow, which is more of a fast paced yoga class. And if you're in remission, that could be really refreshing, really energizing. And for those of us that do have Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, um, we can experience bouts of fatigue and low energy. So a vinyasa practice can actually be very beneficial for us, especially in the morning when we want to feel awake, we want to get ready for the day. Um, The other form of yoga is more of restorative, where it's slow, it's more on the ground, stretching, we think of deep relaxation, and that can be very beneficial for those who are in uh, a flare, because it's going to be more relaxing, 
deep breathing that can help if you're in a lot of pain uh, because it's going to focus on the breath. It's going to be more helpful for your mental state as well to help kind of calm the body, relax the body, um, especially if you're dealing with pain and you're in that that type of flare up. So those are the two most common types of yoga. And um, one would be good if you're in remission. One is going to be good if you're in a flare up. And um, I would definitely avoid uh, the fast pace if you're in a flare. (laughs) It's probably not going to feel good on your body at that time. Right, right. And so you live with Crohn's disease. And so you understand this in a way that maybe other practitioners might not. So what I'm thinking about here is how you might modify poses or or modify a class for people who live with Crohn's disease or with other um, health conditions. So how do you go about doing that? And is it something that uh, a person who lives with IBD who is taking a class might then understand how to modify the pose for themselves in order so that they can continue to, to, to practice and to go to their classes, maybe even while they're experiencing um, a flare up. Yeah. So as someone that has these conditions, I know that there's secondary symptoms other than digestive. So there's joint pain, there's muscle Mm -hmm. aches, uh, even just stamina, being able to go through, um, you know, sun salutations after a few, we might get tired and we might not be able to do as many um, or sitting in a posture for very long. We might get tired more easily than some of the other students. And mm-hmm. so I'm able to be cognizant of that and cue in a way that I can throw out options so mm-hmm. that all students can feel comfortable. So if someone is experiencing joint pain or muscle aches, I can throw out options for them to take a different pose or take a pose in a way that will help their body feel better. And so they don't necessarily feel uncomfortable during a a certain posture. So like in a, in a plank position, if your hands are bent, um, your wrist might start hurting. And so I'll throw out an option where your hands can stay straight. That's an example of how I'll modify um, a certain posture. Or I'll let people know that they can always go into child's pose at any time. And I'll even go into it myself so that students feel comfortable and they don't feel alone. As, a, as an instructor, I'll go into the, the pose with them. <laughs> so they don't feel alone. That's really great to hear. Going to a class where your skill level might be different than other people in the class. Um, yeah. It does sound a little intimidating and that it could lead to some discomfort. And of course, you want people to come back and, and enjoy the class. So I love that you do that. That's a really smart way to go about that, I think. Yeah. You work with people of all fitness levels. You work with people who live with different health conditions and are finding their way through yoga and improving their health by doing so. What do you find fulfilling about this? Yeah, Uh, you know, I get asked that question a lot, actually. And it's kind of like, I feel like I'm living my dream life. Like every day I'm teaching a class 
And at the end of the day, it's almost like, I can't believe I get to do this for a living, you know? Mm. Um, and it's because at the end of the classes, when I f- see people smile and I see them leave and feel better and they, they tell me that they move better. They tell me that after taking classes after a few months that they can now do things they never could do before or, um, you know, maybe now they can touch their toes and they never did that, you know, they could never touch their toes or they're able to play with their grandkids and, um, you know, they weren't able to do that. They had knee pain and now they don't have knee pain. Um, so just hearing their success stories makes me feel so good inside. Um, I'm also inspired by the different age groups I get to work with. So I have um, a senior group that I go to. There's a home I go to to do chair yoga with. And I just had a woman who turned 100 years old and she moves just as good as some of my 60 year olds. And she tells me every class she goes, Desiree, it's because I've been doing yoga for, you know, she tells me she's been doing yoga for 20 years. And uh, every class, she tells me that I've been doing yoga for 20 years. And if I would have stopped, then I wouldn't be here today. So Mm -hmm. I'm so inspired by people like that. And I want to be like her, like she's my, you know, muse. (laughs) So that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me inspired. And I love that I get to do that for a living. (laughs) Uh, When you go back and work with your 100 year old uh, student, can you ask her some more questions for me? Like how do you (laughs) have any other advice? (laughs) Exactly. I'm assuming there's going to be people that are listening that are like me and have never engaged with yoga in a very deep way previously. I did some yoga at home while I was pregnant. It was helpful. And I forgot, and I just remembered, that I did some yoga with my uh, son when he was uh, a toddler, I think. So I took him to one of those like mommy and me kind of yoga classes. And I'll say, like, probably (laughs) the best part of it was the end (laughs) where the instructor would put on the soft music, turn down the lights. We would all sit with, like, our legs against the wall. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then occasionally she might give some of us, like, a a little shoulder massage. Like, that (laughs) that was pretty amazing. Um, Yes. But... I have been resistant to going to formal classes just because it's not something that I've done before. So what's your advice for someone like me who would like to start taking classes and just doesn't even know where to begin? Yeah. Um, Two things to that. One, I would look for any offerings that are any yoga studios that might offer beginner yoga classes. 
that is pretty common for yoga studios to throw out um, either like once a month or something like that. They might offer a beginner yoga class. Um, if they do, that's a great place to start um, because then you know that that's going to be something where you're not going to be the only one who's just starting out. And the yoga teacher is going to be there for those who are new to yoga. So you're not going to be surrounded by people who know what they're doing and who are, you know, experienced. Um, it's going to be everyone who's new to yoga. So those are great classes to begin. So my second thing I would say is finding instructor that works for you. So every instructor is going to be different. They all have their own teaching styles, even their own unique voice. You know, they're, um, some people are going to have that soft uh, yoga voice is what they're, they're called. Um, others might have a more strong, demanding voice. And you'll find one that, that kind of connects with you. And that's really going to help you enjoy the class more uh, when you find that instructor that uh, you like, you connect with, and you enjoy. So it's really going to be about trying different classes. And don't be afraid to kind of shop around to different yoga studios. And, you know, you don't have to go to a studio and feel like, okay, now I got to stay with this studio. Um, it's okay to try one class go to another studio, try that class, and just keep looking until you find one that that suits you. And some people like the virtual classes as well, you know, doing some online that they can just do right in their living room. I'll say this lastly, that I like to tell my clients that yoga can also be two minutes while you're brushing your teeth and you just pause for a second and take a deep breath that can be yoga. So it doesn't have to be a full 60 minute class. You know, even if you do a 30 second stretch before you head out the door for the morning, you can have these little yoga moments throughout your day. So don't feel pressured that you have to take, you know, these long yoga classes. It can always be just a few seconds <laughs> throughout your day too. I, I think that's where some people get hung up on on the the idea of intentional movement as well that it's like if you're not running a 5k every morning that it's not worthwhile <laughs> you know so yeah. it's really important to point out that like you can like it it can be cumulative also over the course of your day you know if you could find 5 minutes here and there yes. yeah um so about taking classes online i have read that maybe you should think about taking a class in person so that you could get the benefit of that uh, instructor, making sure that you are doing the poses correctly before you try to do it online. Do you have any thoughts about that? Um, it is beneficial to go in person because you are going to get more of a personalized touch. The instructor can definitely be more hands-on, more with adjustments. Um, they can see you better to, you know, let you know if you are in the posture correctly. Um, as someone who has taught online class, it is, classes, it is very hard to look at all the participants and make mm. sure that they're in the postures correctly. So yes, I would agree with that. If you can take a class in person um, to begin with, to make sure that you're doing things correctly 
And I personally enjoy getting adjustments from the instructor. I think they feel amazing when you're able to get hands on, uh, you know, when, when I'm in uh, child's pose and the instructor places their hands on my low back, I think it feels wonderful. <laughs> so if you're able to experience that in person, please do. And then if you need to take classes online, at least you know now how the pose is supposed to feel, how you're supposed to be in it, then you can take the classes online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was something with my limited experience. I think that was something that I didn't expect was for the instructor to walk around and help us adjust. And yeah, there really was something very special about that. Yeah. It's wonderful that we can access so many things online, but it does seem with yoga that there is more of that personal connection that maybe can be an important part of the practice for some people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... People with IBD, as you mentioned, sometimes live with joint problems or other extra intestinal manifestations and might need to be thinking about that when they're doing any type of exercise or any type of movement in in yoga would be included in that. And you're very cognizant when you're teaching a class to offer modifications for your students and then you're also very good about also making them feel as though they're not slacking (laughs) Um, by, by, by altering your movements as well. But is there something for a person to think about when they're taking a class, when they're practicing on their own, that maybe should tell them that they might want to pause, that they might want to not engage with a pose, or that they should try something differently while they're practicing? What might that feel like? What should people watch out for? Oh, yeah. I always say anytime you're feeling close to anything that resembles pain, anything Mm -hmm. that's close to too much discomfort, Mm -hmm. where your body, um, if you can't breathe, where you, you know, you're getting to that point where it's hard to inhale, or it's hard to exhale, that's a sign from your body that this pose isn't right for you right now. And you need to back off. You need to come out of the posture. Even if you come out of the posture for a few seconds, shake it off. Maybe you try to go back into it for a little bit, or Mm -hmm. it's just not right for you today. You know, you just come out of it for today. You can wait until we go into the next posture and then you can join us. I always try to make people feel comfortable and say, you know, just take a few breaths. You can stand in mountain pose. You can come into child's pose, wait, and then join us in the next pose when when you're ready. But we never want to feel pain when we're in yoga. It's one thing to feel like a deep stretch where it's like it hurts so good. That's one thing. But we never want to feel pain. If you If you're feeling pain, then we're not supposed to be in that pose. That's definitely not something you want to feel when you're in yoga. Mm -hmm. So I want to understand a little bit more about the idea of pain, maybe versus discomfort. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. kind of like planking, which is something that I might get up from my desk at certain points during my day because 
what I do for a living as I'm sitting at my desk all day writing, right? So I might get up from my desk yeah. and just really quickly um, take like a minute to do a plank. And you were talking specifically about how you might modify that for someone. I'm thinking of like my wrists, you know, so I might use like my forearms in a plank or I might plank like on a on a fist instead of an open hand. So those are the, some of the yeah. things that I've done to sort of be able to go into that pose but modify it so that I'm not feeling so much discomfort. But I'll tell you, there is still some discomfort. <laughs> so what? how would you sure. define that a little bit further? As a what, what is the discomfort that you should expect because you are pushing your body or teaching your body something versus like pain and that you should back off and not be experiencing that much discomfort? Yeah. I think to me, it's where you're experiencing the discomfort. So the discomfort should only be in areas of where we're strength training. So in a plank, for example, we're strength training through the core, we're strength training the shoulders and the glutes. Those three major areas are where you might feel discomfort because you're really engaging those muscles. So you might get a little shaky through the legs, your core might start to have some discomfort because you're really holding it in and you're contracting. That's where, in my mind, as students where I'm coaching them, I'm going to say, all right, you might start to feel discomfort here. Now, where you should not feel pain is in your joints. I don't want you to feel pain in the shoulders, in the joints, in the wrists. I don't want you to feel pain in your knees or in your hips. If you do start to feel pain in those joint areas, then I want you to come down to your knees, go into child's pose, take a breath or two, maybe come back into plank, or maybe you stay into child's pose until we move on to the next posture. So it's really where you're feeling it, because anytime you experience pain in the joints, that's your body saying, nope, not today. I don't want to feel it. Discomfort in the muscles is okay because we're using them and it's really us training them. And then they're saying, okay, now I'm awake. I'm alive. <laughs> we're using it today. Um, but the pain in any areas of the joints is not a good sign. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. So thank you. I understand that a lot, a lot better now because yeah. I know that for myself, a lot of times when I'm engaging in some sort of an intentional movement, like, sometimes my brain is telling me, stop, you know? like, you should really yeah. stop. But <laughs> that's maybe not always about pain. That's maybe just about, you know, not wanting to do it. Um, like, like this is hard. This is hard. This is hard. Yeah, this is hard. Uh, a lot of what I do usually is walking or running or biking. And there's definitely times when you're running when like your brain is screaming at you that you, why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And> that's <laughs> discomfort. <laughs> and yeah. And uh, sometimes, and then sometimes I just tell my brain to shut up, you know, and then I just keep, keep moving. But I think it yes. might serve me also to, to think of it in the way that you were talking about it.
we've been talking for a little bit now, Desiree. I I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the Wisconsin in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> which That's I love. Funny. I love Wisconsin. I, I love it. What do you like about your state? Yeah, I love that we have both water and nature. So like the forests that we have here, a lot of parks. So I, I do camping a lot. We go camping all the time as, as much as we can. Uh, my husband and I, and we have two dogs, uh, two black labs. So with black labs, they love to swim. So the water, uh, they're, they're outdoor dogs. So whenever we can get them outside and swimming and camping are their two favorite things in life. So <laughs> that's what we do in our free time. And Wisconsin has plenty of of room for that. And that's one of my favorite things uh, for it. And we can also in Wisconsin experience all four seasons. You know, I love doing activities. People, you know, I know we have harsh winters. I know Mm -hmm. we have harsh winters, but I love that we get to experience every single season because I do. I love them all. I love spring. I love summer. I love fall. And I love winter because I love doing all activities in every single season. So I, I truly do love it. <laughs> I agree. I, I grew up in Michigan. I live in Connecticut now. And I oh, yeah. I will not go camping in the winter. That is not what I'm about. <laughs> uh, but we have a camping trip scheduled in a couple of weeks. And like, I cannot wait. Like, I just cannot yeah. wait. It's just the best. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything about... Crowns in camping that you can share for myself. I live with a J pouch, so I absolutely mm. have to get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. That's just not something that I can get around. So I always make sure I have a really great flashlight next to my <laughs> next to my sleeping bag. Is there any way that yes. you modify things for yourself? Yeah, you know that's such a great question because um, we do. I mean, my husband and I, whenever we book a campsite, I I do make sure that I'm close to the bathrooms. I'm never booking a campsite that's super far away, right? Like I always want to make sure that I know where the bathrooms are. One of the things I always bring with me is uh, butt wipes. I call them my butt wipes, mm-hmm, <laughs> so I got mm-hmm. those with me. Those are always yep. handy. And, you know, I always make sure, too, that um, I know where, like, the nearest emergency room is. If I have to, like, you just got to be prepared because anything can happen. I have had um, trips before where, you know, accidents have happened or things have happened where I've had to go to the emergency room before. Um, This was a few few years ago. Um, And, you know, so things have happened. And so it's nice to know, or if you're booking a trip in advance, definitely have like your emergency, like, okay, if something happens, where are we going? How far is it? You know, just to have that as uh, as your emergency. Here's what you need to do mm-hmm. just to be prepared. That makes a lot of sense. I'm on board with the wipes. I've always got like yep. probably two, <laughs> probably at least two different kinds of wipes with me when we go. Maybe even three. One for the hands, yep. one to clean things, and then one for yes. bottoms. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I Absolutely. but I will Same say. Here. Like camping in Connecticut, I would know where to go, but like camping in Massachusetts, camping in Maine, I don't think I really looked up where the closest hospitals or emergency room or urgent cares were near our campsites. 
So I really appreciate you mentioning that. I am going to get on that before our next camping trip. There you go. All right, Desiree, I want to go through your social media uh, so that folks can find you all over the interwebs and then also in person if they do live in the great state of Wisconsin and want to come and take a class with you. So tell me where people can find you. Yeah, so um, two places. So my business that I own with my husband is Dutchman Kettlebells. So you can find me on social media on that. We're just at Dutchman Kettlebells. Um, You can find us on Instagram and Facebook on that. And then you can find me on social media on my personal page. My married name is Desiree Van Dalwick. And um, that is spelled V-A-N-D-A-A-L-W-Y-K. So it's a Dutch and that's where Dutchman Kettlebells comes in. <laughs> our, my husband's Dutch heritage <laughs> is how we got our business name. And um, and yeah, both my personal and our business page, we share a lot about how strength training and yoga can help just your, your life in general, help you move better, live better, feel better. That's kind of our personal and business motto uh, for everyone. Even if you don't have IBD, uh, we kind of focus on everybody. Even if you uh, chronic pain, diabetes, we, we have a lot of clients that we work with that uh, come in and are just getting older and they just don't move the same. And so they are retired now and they want to just want to play with their grandkids and they want to, um, you know, be able to feel better now that they're getting older in life. And so uh, strength training and yoga can benefit you uh, so much as we're as we're aging. And if you move better, you can be 102 and still doing yoga. So that's our that's our motto. <laughs> that that's amazing. Like I just turned 50 and I'm getting in the headspace of, well, goodness, I want to be able to keep going camping and I want to be able to, you know, do other kinds yes. of travel. And if I feel yeah. like this today, what am I going to feel like in 10 years? And then I really, <laughs> I really need to be thinking about that and thinking about how I can, can, can keep my body in, in kind of shape and, um, you know, knock on yes. my grandkids someday. So also you've <laughs> got some other stuff coming up soon that you're going to be doing that is focused in the IBD space. Can you tell me about some of the events that you have coming? Yes. Yeah. So I'm so excited. I'm hosting a in-person summit. It's kind of like a wellness workshop uh, and it's for IBD, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. So that whole kind of genre of digestive conditions. And it's here at my business in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So it's at Dutchman Kettlebells, our studio here. And it's on Sunday, June 25th. And I'm partnering with um, some other health professionals who will be joining me via Zoom to talk about. I have a dietitian, a registered dietitian, who's going to be joining me. I also have a physical therapist who's joining me. Both of them will be talking via Zoom. And we're all talking about how uh, watching what you eat, so nutrition plus physical therapy plus yoga can help with uh, your IBD. And um, again, helping you live better, feel better. And we're actually going to be doing some yoga practices. We'll be doing some physical therapy exercises. 
And um, we're going to be doing this awesome um, mindful eating exercise, uh, which I'm actually kind of excited about. So uh, the registered dietitian uh, and I are partnering where we eat a piece of chocolate and you do it while you're meditating. And uh, it's really kind of cool because you focus so much on like the smell of the chocolate, the taste mm. of the chocolate, what does it feel like as you swallow? And um, you really get a sense of when you slow down and eat mindfully, it really changes your digestive system and it can really change the way you eat. And um, not only does it kind of help your digestive system because it's sl you slow down the way you eat, but it can actually make you feel full quicker. And so you eat a little bit less. So that's kind of cool. So we're adding that as well to the, the whole conference. That sounds amazing. So I definitely <laughs> hope that people will look into that and attend if they can. And hopefully you'll get the opportunity to do many more of these in the future because it does sound really wonderful. Yeah. So thank you so much, Desiree. I really appreciate your time and it's on my plate. I've been meaning to do it for years to find a local studio. There are plenty of them. I really have no excuse, except <laughs> that it's just, sometimes it's just difficult to get started. So thank you so much for giving me all of your tips and all of your help. You're welcome. In You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, super listener. Thanks to Desiree Schmidt for sharing all of her knowledge and wisdom in how she came to yoga and how she runs her classes. I encourage you to follow her across social media. If you're in Wisconsin or you decide to travel there, and I do recommend it, you can look into the retreats and seminars that she is offering. I will put all the information in the show notes. Links to a written transcript, everyone's social media handles, and more information on the topics we discussed is in the show notes and on my episode 135 page on aboutibd.com. You can follow me, Amber Tresca, across all social media as About IBD. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Mal and Tal Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Mac Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio.